Wordplay, Theater for the Ear and the Imagination, presents the Nativity Monologues, a series of short monologues spoken by persons and animals associated with the birth of Jesus. The script was compiled from works by several authors, including Nick Warburton, Nikki Grimes, Madeline Lengel, and Dorothy L. Sayers. The actors are, in alphabetical order, Danny Kaplan, Jeffrey DeSisto, Mary DeSisto, Kate Joseph, Michael Joseph, Donald Powell, Michael Propster, Father Nathan Ritchie, and Kevin Sullivan. Father Matthew Powell compiled the script and directed. Hush, the hour is late. Nazareth lies sleeping, and I, Gabriel, wait for the Lord's signal to once again go to earth below. When last I went, my words were for Zachariah. Now I pace the halls of heaven, memorizing a message for Mary. Every archangel I see envies me. I must get the message right. The light of the word is on his way. What will Mary say when I tell her? I wonder what he'll look like. God wrapped in a baby's skin, stepping from eternity into time? How will he hide his glory? Ah, there! The bells chime, and I must go. And so I spread my wings and spring from heaven's balcony. I am a neighbor of theirs in Nazareth. I saw her, stomach ripe to the touch, her baby ready to drop at any time. And yes, I watched Joseph cinching wineskins to his donkey's saddle, wondered why he was dragging that poor girl to Bethlehem. Someone from the family had to go, of course. The emperor made it plain. All must register for the census. But surely Joseph could have gone alone and registered for them both? Still, gossips say Mary would not stay behind. God keep them both. The journey ahead is a maze of rough road and danger in the dark. I fear their future is marked with trouble. Well, 
I'm on my way to Bethlehem for the census. I'm sick of traveling, sick of the walking for no good reason, and sick of the stopping and pushing to find a place to rest. And tired of the talk. The same things over and over. Everyone moaning, but with no mind to do anything about it. All this counting you see is a Roman thing. They want to know what they've got and how much of it, which includes us. It's like counting the sheep in and out of the pens, only now we're the sheep. We go where we're sent. And half of us are heading for the place the other half is coming from. It makes no sense. The last time we stopped, just as night was falling, we met this young couple, and she was pregnant. I thought, well, what'll that do to the counting when the baby comes? Do they count him or not? They're never going to get their counting right. It was from Joseph first I learned of love. Like me, he was dismayed. How easily he could have turned me from his house. But unafraid, he put me not away from him. O oh, God, sent angel, pray for him. Thus, through Joseph's love, was God's love obeyed. The child's first cry came like a bell. God's word aloud, God's word indeed. And Joseph was with me in my time of need. O oh, child, whose father is in heaven, to you was given another gift. Your earthly father was well chosen. With Joseph, I was always warmed and cherished. Even in the stable, I knew I would not be harmed. And though above us angels swarmed, man's love it was that made me able to bear God's love, wild and formidable to bear God's will performed through me. least important of all the animals. I am a beast of burden. I can carry heavy loads and am more patient than a camel. Gentler nature, though, occasionally stubborn. I am not considered intelligent, and my name is used as a, an insult. But... When I see an angel in my path, I recognize a messenger of God. I recognize angels. Donkeys can see what mortals fail to recognize. 
Go, the angels said. Go quickly. You are bearing holiness. I moved gently, not to jolt the woman who carried within her all light and life and love, waiting to be born. Go, the angels said. It is time. I took the path to Bethlehem, bearing God's bearer on my weary back, and stood beside her in the stable trying to share her pain and loneliness, and then the joy. Least important of all animals, beast of burden, my heaviest burden is to turn a curse into a blessing, to see an angel in my path, to bear forever the blessing of my Lord. Sleep now, little Jesus. I will watch you while you and your mother sleep. I wish I could do more. This straw is not good enough for you. Back in Nazareth, I'll make a proper bed for you, of seasoned wood, smooth, strong, well-pegged, a bed fit for a carpenter's son. Just wait till we get back to Nazareth. I'll teach you everything I know. You'll learn to choose the cedar wood, eucalyptus, and fir, You'll learn to use the plane, axe, and saw. Your arms will grow strong, your hands rough, like mine. You will bear the pungent smell of new wood and wear shavings and sawdust in your hair. You'll be a man whose life centers on hammer and nails and wood. But for now, sleep, little Jesus, sleep. I am the ox that was in the stable that night. We were just about fed up with the dozers and layabouts making free overnight with our stable and our straw. Some of them plunked themselves right down under our hooves, half of them drunk and twanging their stringed instruments. Why can't they cuddle their children and just keep quiet? Come to think of it, this particular couple tonight did just that. An unmarried mother, most like, put her child to the breast and smiled. The old chap with her watched over the lot of us, getting down more hay for our mangers. We heard some singing, not the drunken kind, far off like, as if in the sky. Beautiful it was. Even the baby was listening. Quite a nice change from the usual carry-on with the wine and the vomiting. You could call it sleeping rough, but it was gentle and tender. Made you think well of the human race. And that doesn't happen every day.
They say I'm old, that I should give up my flock, stay back with the women in the warm. They say the cold is bad for me, and hiking over the hills to find a lost sheep, sitting up all night to nurse a sick lamb are young men's jobs. When I tell my story, I see glances and disbelief. Yet none would dare deny that my flock is the best kept in the region, my memory still sharp as winter wind. It was a night much like this. We huddled around the fire and passed a cup for warmth. I was the youngest. Now the rest are gone, so when I die, there'll be no one to remember. Each of us heard a voice that gave commands. Afterwards, we couldn't recall what words were said, but all agreed we had been instructed to go somewhere for a reason we did not understand. While the voice spoke, winter seemed to withdraw, and it was spring, though still cold, dark, and wind blowing bitterly. When the voice stopped, we didn't like to catch our neighbor's eye. Each thought perhaps he should keep it to himself. But there was a burst of light that blinded us as sunlight does when you come out of the dark into the morning. We had no doubt then. Packed up our things and went, without much talking, to where we had been directed. At length we stood and saw. Just for a moment it occurred to me that it was us that had been chosen from the whole world. We to stand here and be the first witnesses. Not kings or lords or the village mayor, but us shepherds. A warmth crept up like an August breeze or a woolen coat. Then it was gone. That is why I tend my sheep, welcome the bitterest nights. Tell my story to anyone with half an ear. I beg you to forgive me. You took me by surprise. You see what I am? King Herod, an old man stricken with disease. No son has been born to my Queen Elpis and I. Sons I have, but they are all grown men with sons of their own. Is it a grandson of mine they are talking about who will sit upon my throne and rule an empire? This is serious talk. You do not know the history of the kingdom. For many years it was torn by wars and rebellions, until Augustus Caesar took it under the protection of Rome. Under his imperial mandate, I assumed the crown. For thirty years I kept the peace by force and policy. It has not been easy. There have been continual revolts against Roman order, all made, you understand, in the name of of religion. Religion has been the pretext for political ambition. 
It was I, Herod, who broke the power of the priestly house. They claimed to sit upon the throne and rule as priests and kings. They were traitors to Rome and to me, and I slew them. I slew my own sons for treason. I slew my queen, my first queen, Mariamne, whom I loved, my queen and my sons, whom I loved. They were all traitors. Their children are traitors to this day, conspiring against me, conspiring against Rome, looking always for the warrior messiah who will lead them to victory and independence. But there is no security in independence. The only safety for this country lies in playing her part within the great new order of imperial rock. <laughs> Bethlehem, you say. I know. The book of the prophet Micah. I doubt you will find much there. A very squalid little village. It is not usual for kings to be born in such a collection of <laughs> mud walls and sheep coats. Bethlehem is called the city of David. Did you know that? And the scriptures do speak of Bethlehem priest and king. <laughs> Have you calculated his horoscope? <laughs> what sort of man will this be that is to be born king of the Jews? <laughs> what? Rule men by love? <laughs> you cannot rule men by love. If you ever do find your king, tell him so. Only three things will govern people. Fear, greed, and the promise of security. Do I not know it? Have I not loved? I have been a stern ruler, dreaded and hated, yet my country is prosperous and her borders at peace. But whenever I loved, I found treachery. Wife, children, brother, all of them, all of them. Love is a traitor. It has betrayed me. It betrays all kings. It will portray your Messiah. Give him that message from Herod, king of the Jews. <laughs> How was I to know? My inn was full of people. His honor, Marcus Lucius, and his scribes who made the census, honorable men from furthest Galilee, came here to be enrolled. High ladies and their lords, the rich, the rabbis, such a noble throng as Bethlehem had never seen before and may not see again. And there they were, herded with their servants until the inn was like a hive at swarming time, and I was fairly crazed among them. Could I have known that couple was so important? Just the two of them, no servants, just a workman's sort of man leading a donkey, and his wife on it, drooping and pale. How was I to know? 
We're in to welcome stragglers up and down in all our towns from Beersheba to Dan until the Messiah should come? How were men to know? There was a sign, they say, a heavenly light resplendent, but I had no time for stars. Uh, there were songs of angels in the air out in the hills, but how was I to hear them amid the thousand clamors of an inn? Of course, if I had known them, uh, who they were, and who he was, who should be born that night? For now I learn that they will make him king, a second David, who will ransom us from these Philistine Romans, who can feed a crowd the size of an army with a few loaves of bread. Had I known, I would have turned the whole inn upside down, his honor, Marcus Lucius, and the rest, and sent them all to the stables. Had I known... If he comes again with the retinue, slaves, and horses, and banners, and an army, my entire inn and all my servants will be his to make amends. Alas, to miss a chance like that, my inn that might have been chief among them all, the birthplace of Messiah. But how was I to know?'